So um, I'm going to be looking um, at a passage of scripture from Jeremiah 31, if you want to find that. Jeremiah is one of the, the prophets. You've got um, Psalms, then Isaiah, Psalms, Proverbs, and, and then a bit further on you've got Isaiah, then Jeremiah. It's quite a long book, so hopefully you'll hit it eventually in the middle of the Bible, or just after the middle of the Bible. Jeremiah 31. And while you're turning there and finding that, you'll have a little bit of time, because I'm not going to refer to that for a while, but just if you have that open and ready. In the meantime, I'm going to read to you um, what, what Jesus says, uh, according to Matthew, um, when they were taking this, the communion meal, the Last Supper together. It says this, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So, remember last week, as Daniel's reminded us, um, in fact, good, you kept the image up there. This is part of um, this... What was happening with Jesus was part of the the Jewish Passover celebration. And um, when Jesus takes this cup, is there a cup on the table? Yeah, there are cups. They're a bit more like our little communion shot glasses as well, actually, just in the perspective. There we go, almost the right size. Um, In the Passover, there was various different parts of the meal which had different significance. And um, this is quite likely that Jesus takes the third of four cups, uh, which would have been known as the cup of redemption, and he retells the Passover story around himself, which would have been quite shocking, I think, because no doubt if you're sitting in the Passover thinking, here's Rabbi, we're doing Passover, this is telling the old story from however long ago, and then we we know what's going to happen next because we've done this all through our life. It's like Christmas for kids, you know, they know what's happening next. When are the presents? You know, it's kind of... We know that bit happens and, and, and that's just the, the, the tradition. But Jesus says, unusually, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And the first thing I want us to notice that what Jesus says is he says, drink of this all of you. All of you. Including Judas, by the way, who was there. He was the one who betrayed Jesus. He was there, sat there. He says to everybody, including Judas, drink of this, all of you. There doesn't seem to be any choice in the matter. There's no decisions to be made. Shall I take communion today? Jesus says, drink of this, all of you. This is not a a case where it's an optional extra to church or or to to gathering together his, his disciples. There's almost like an urgency in what Jesus is saying. It's like, you need to drink this. You must drink this. You need me inside of you. You need to take this. And he explains, this is my blood of the covenant. I mean, that's really easy to understand, isn't it? Yeah, my blood. I mean, stop and think about this. People have debated what this means for, for centuries. But here's Jesus. And he says, handing them a cup. This is my blood. You what? You know, it's kind of like, come on, Jesus has lost it. This is, what? it's not your blood, it's a cup with wine in it. 
But they maybe knew from the remembering, as Daniel has reminded us to remember, <laughs> that, you know, this is remembering in the present. This is what, this is happening now. This, this is something that we can't quite get our head around, but at the same time it is, it's, it's happening now. This is Jesus' blood of the covenant. The covenant. What covenant? What are you talking about? What, what is a covenant? What's, what's going on? Now, maybe the disciples, being good um, Jewish people, knew their scriptures. Maybe they had an inkling of what Jesus was talking about. Maybe they had a vague idea. If they hadn't already been thrown off beam by him saying, drink my blood, which would have been very offensive to them, no doubt, then they would have understood what this covenant was about. But I wonder if we know really what this covenant is. Um, so maybe I'm just going to, maybe, I don't know, do, do children, do you know that word, covenant? Are we still awake? Uh, anyone, any ideas what covenant means? No. Is it like an agreement? Yeah, okay. One of the older children has spoken. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right, Wendy, you know. We're all young at heart, you know, yeah. You, were the, you had the least blank look on your face, so yeah, you, you, can, you, you can answer that, yeah. Um, get, so it's not a word we use a lot, right, kids? No. No? When, Wendy is, is getting, starting to hit the nail on the head. Yeah, it's, it's an agreement. It's a, it's a bond between two parties. It actually literally means from a coming together. And actually, even before Jesus' time, right back to Abraham's time, it's thought that actually this coming together was often happened around a meal, interestingly enough. Um, and for us, in our modern world, marriage, the idea of marriage is a good idea of a covenant, um, where two people get together and, and they pledge to one another uh, their love and their commitment, and they say things like, for richer, for poorer, in sickness, in health, for better, for worse... We are, I'm, I'm there for you, I'm with you, and I'm staying with you no matter what. Um, and so it's, it's like an ongoing promise that can't be broken or cancelled is the idea. That's the idea. It doesn't always work like that, as we know. But also, it doesn't also work that, like that in the Bible, because God, the way actually God works in, in the Bible is he, he, if you read through the Bible, really it's, it holds together around God's covenants. That he, he makes agreements with the world and with his people. Um, and, and, and that's how his plan works out. But it doesn't always work that people keep his, his covenants. So I, I, we're going to read, uh, well, I will read from you. In, in Exodus, God says to the people of Israel, if you obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you'll be my treasured possession. That's a really important covenant in the Bible that God makes with Israel. If you keep... My covenant, if you obey me, then you will be a treasured possession. What a wonderful promise that would be. I mean, that sounds like a marriage kind of vow, doesn't it? You know, I would say, Louise is my treasured possession and, and we have covenant together. But the problem was Israel just couldn't keep the covenant. And that's the sad story of the Old Testament. Time and time again, Israel is just kind of like, you can just imagine God kind of tearing his hair out. Each time, you know, oh, here we go again. And Israel just kept breaking the covenant, couldn't keep the commands, couldn't obey God's laws. And that's the tragic story of the Old Testament. So towards the end, as we were getting the, the bit you turned to, you were thinking, oh, yes, about 10 minutes ago, Richard said to turn to Jeremiah 31. Well, Jeremiah was a prophet um, who speaks towards the end of the Old Testament uh, era. And 
He says in chapter 31, verse 31, so if you want to read from there, speaks this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them out by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and I write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. So here we go. This is the new covenant that God, the, the covenant that God promises. Um, and primarily the difference between the old and the new covenant is this. It's the way in which God's going to work it. Before the, covenant, the old covenant was written on tablets of stone, and now God says, I'm going, to, I'm going to write it inside you. I'm going to put it in your heart. So before the old covenant was something that worked from the outside in, although it didn't get very far because, as we know, it failed time and time again. People tried their best to follow it, but it didn't actually change them. And as because they weren't changed, they couldn't, it just never, it was always too difficult to follow. But now God says, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to work this from the inside of you outward. I'm going to write this on your hearts. I'm going to put it on your minds. And it's going to be something that lives in you and, and works inside you. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's important that we take communion rather than look at communion. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but if this was just a symbolic thing we were talking about, that we're remembering Jesus and we say, yeah, he said something about his body and his blood and his bread and wine, we could just come here and just kind of look at this stuff and think, that's good. But I think one of the reasons why we take it is because it is Christ working in us. Because this covenant is something where God works inside us and transforms us from the inside out to become renewed. Um, so, there are three main commitments in this commandment, in this covenant, rather, not commandment, in this covenant. Uh, as well as God working in us inside, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. So here, is, is a, similar to the old covenant, really, it's not that different in that sense that there will be, a, inside us, there will be a, a knowledge that we are God's people and that he is our God. It'll be a connection where we can say to God, I am yours and you are mine. Which actually sounds a bit like a sort of a love poem, doesn't it? You know, I could say to Louise, I am yours and you are mine. And that's almost like a covenant agreement in itself. But we can say that and know that inside of us, that God is our God and we are his people. I think in this world, that's just a powerful thing because in this world today, there's so many people that just don't know who they are, who they belong to, uh, where, where they're going or anything. But to have deep inside that knowledge that I am part of God's family and he is my God. That's what God is working in us as we take this meal. We remember this covenant that God is making with us. It says in this covenant that basically everyone will be able to know God. In, in the old days, maybe... Maybe it was only the priests that could really get close to God or maybe the, the special holy people like the prophets. But now God says, I'm opening this up to everybody. It talks about the, 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 the greatest to the least here in Jeremiah. But you remember in the, in the, um, 
in, in Galatians, Paul says uh, we are one in Christ, whether we are Jews or Greeks, male or female, slaves or free. All of those people are able to know God equally. So you don't have to be just like a supposed clever person like me at the front of a church, if only you knew. You know, it, it, the least of us, whether we have high or low intelligence, whether we have lots of money or little money, whether we've been to school or not been to school, we can all know God. And in fact, actually, the knowing is more than just an intellectual knowing. This is a, an intimate knowing of someone as a person. God is saying, everyone, everyone can know me through this new covenant. It's, it's not, you know, I was thinking, see, like, Chris and Emma, I know them. We've been friends now for a long time. And they know me. <laughs> And we probably know each other too well in many ways. But we know this. It's not that I wrote a book and they went to Richard Fox School and studied Richard Foxiology. And I went to the Welch, Welchology School. And we kind of read about each other. And now I can do an exam on Chris's favourite food or something. That's not the kind of knowledge we're talking about. We're kind of the, the knowledge where I just kind of know, even by the way they look at me, they're thinking, yeah, <laughs> he's talking about us again. You know, it's just like we know each other, right? Yeah? And that's what God's talking about, that everybody would know me. What a wonderful covenant commitment. And then finally, the thing maybe that's most famous, but we shouldn't forget the other stuff, but we shouldn't forget this also, that I will forgive their sins and remember them no more, which is vital. It's a radical forgiveness. In the Old Covenant, there was, there was provision for, 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 for forgiveness, but it was a, a continual sacrifice that kept having to be made time and time again. But now Jesus says, and, and the New Testament says, that Christ's sacrifice is a once-for-all, complete, total offering for our sin, and our sin will be remembered no more. That's what Jeremiah says this new covenant is talking about. And this is what I think Jesus is referring back to. There are other prophets that mention it. Ezekiel mentions, says similar things. And he also says, and I will put my spirit in them, says the Lord. Which is a wonderful promise. So here we have it. This is a new covenant that's been announced. And it's a covenant where God says, I'm going to do something inside you. I'm going to work inside you. So maybe with that in mind, we can just revisit what Jesus says. He, then he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this, all of you. No options. <laughs> Drink this. It's almost like he's saying, get this in you. You need this. Have you ever been on sort of like a long walk or you've, you've had a hard day and somebody says, oh, just get this cup of tea down, you know, just get this in you. This, this will sort you out. Or maybe it might be something a bit stronger than a cup of tea. You, know? you, you need this. I was remembering I was, uh, Chris and I did a long bike ride. We've done a, a, a few. <laughs> but when we did, a, a, there was a hundred mile ride. In fact, Daniel did it as well. And um, uh, we... We were riding and, and I got to about 60 miles. I was with a friend, Tom, at the time. And I was pretty pooped. I, was, I think I spent my energy too quickly. And Tom, he went over to the, um, the refreshment store where we'd had this stop off. He bought me a bag of sweets, Roundtree's Randoms. Never forget it because they now keep me going on cycle rides when I get into trouble. And he just said to me, get these down here and we're going. <laughs> so like, I put them in my back pocket and I'm just stuffing sweets down my face for the next 
30 miles. And actually, it worked. <laughs> I don't know if it's something to do with sugar or whatever. But this is what Jesus is saying. You need this. Get this in you. Because this is where it works. It works in you. You need this. The old ways, the old covenant didn't work. You can't save yourself. You can't follow these commands. You, you, you can't do this in your own strength. You need this new covenant. You need this, my blood, in you. Literally, get this inside of you. It's the only way to be effective. It's spiritual life-saving drink. So, in a second, Emma's going to lead us in communion. We're going to take communion slightly differently today, but that's fine because it's good to explore different ways of doing things. Um, but before we do that, um, and I don't know whatever else Emma's going to say, but I'll, I'll leave her to lead us in that. But I'd like us just to, <laughs> in the chaotic way like we did last week, we had a bit of chaos, um, which was great. Um, I'd like us just to, to pray for one another. But I'd like you to just keep Jeremiah 31 open. And particularly from verse 33 and 34, I'd like us to speak these covenant promises from God to one another and pray for each other along these lines of these, these covenant promises. That we would know uh, God working inside us. That we would know inside us that God will be our God and we are his people. That we would know, we would all know God. And that we would know the forgiveness of sins. So can we just take just a brief few moments, just with the people around you, let's pray for one another like this. Um, and, and, and let's not do this, um, let's not start praying for Uncle Dave's gout or, or the cat that's just run off from next door neighbour, you know, or a few friends and family that need prayer for healing. Let's not do that. That's lovely to do, but this is not the time for it. Let's just take these covenant promises and just simply say, you know, it doesn't have to be a long prayer, but I pray, for, I pray for Abby, that you would know God in your heart, working in you. That's it, simple prayer. Takes five seconds. Yeah, and we're not just going off and then praying for Abby's potential career and, and, and whatever else. That's not what we're doing right now. We're just praying for this covenant. Is that okay? Can we do that? And children, you can do that. You just literally read it to one another if, if you're not sure what to say, what's sure to pray. Okay, a couple of minutes and then Emma will, will lead us.